You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so we just witnessed uh, Louisville lose to Texas Tech. The number one ranked team in the country goes down again. And we'll get to that shortly, but this is not called Locked on Louisville. It's called Locked on Kentucky. And the Kentucky Wildcats football team has lost uh, an assistant coach to another school. Uh, the, uh, the offensive line, which was the best in the country this season, is not a finalist for the award to, to uh, honor the best offensive line in the country. And so we'll, we'll start with that and then move our way through and get into some basketball as well. But uh, I guess let, let's start with Dean Hood. Uh, the former EKU head football coach, former Wake Forest defensive coordinator, uh, and now soon-to-be former Kentucky uh, assistant who was, you know, special teams coordinator. Uh, he was also a defensive backs coach. He was he coached linebackers there for a little while, and then when they brought in John Summer and Brad White, and then you um, you had him move back to the secondary and. Which I thought was a big move. I think that's uh, part of why you saw the secondary play as well as they did this season. Such a young secondary is that you had not only Dean Hood working on it, but you had Steve Klinkscale, another former defensive coordinator, and you had Mark Stoops. I mean, you had three former defensive coordinators, uh, all at Division One schools. Klinkscale was at uh, Co DC at Cincinnati. Dean Hood was, like I said, the defense coordinator at Wake Forest when they went to the Orange Bowl. And then, of course, Mark Stoops at Florida State. Uh, and, and those three guys all have um, secondary experience. Like, uh, Dean Hood has extensive secondary coaching experience. And um, he's a big loss, I think, not only because of, because of that, uh, but because of the kind of guy he is, a former head coach at EKU. Uh, he, he just knows a lot of football, especially the defensive side of the ball. And then earlier this season, when they had that bye week before going into the Arkansas game, they'd lost three in a row. Stoops talked about they did some different things and brainstormed and tried to come up with ways to kind of build the team together, to grow them closer together, to make them realize uh, that we're all in this together. And if we band together, we can uh, have some success here. And Mark Stoops credited Dean Hood as one of the guys who came up with uh, one of those ideas that really helped them. And he didn't go into great detail with it, but uh, I at least gather from one player anyway that it uh, had something to do with them just kind of having a, a session where they tell more about themselves to everyone around them. You know, to the, to the guys that they play with closest, like position groups and stuff, that they... They just made sure they got to know each other a little better. And it could go beyond that. Stoops never specified. But uh, he's – I think he's a big big loss on the staff. Yeah, and, you know, he's also with the special teams. He's the guy who went and got him involved in, in Australia uh, and, you know, got him – started getting him these uh, crazy punters, uh, which yep. has led him to the best – have the best punter in the country this year. Yeah, Jordan uh, Berry, the Pittsburgh Steelers punter. He's still with the, the Steelers, and uh, that was that was Dean Hood that got him at EKU. Yeah, and has obviously uh, continued that here 
um, here at, uh, at Kentucky. Um, he's overseen the best uh, place kicker in school history, yeah. uh, Austin McGinnis, the best punter probably in school history. Um, and so, yeah, that's a loss for sure uh, in, the, in the defense, in the special teams. Um, you know, I think in just having, as you mentioned, I, I think it's just been a, a valuable thing to have some really veteran guys who've either, you know, multiple guys on staff who've been coordinators and or head coaches. Um, that's a nice thing to lean on for a guy that even, you know, Mark Stoops is still just in what his uh, sixth year, seventh year, seventh. As a, seventh year as a head coach period. You know, he's, he's young in the, in the um, head coaching ranks. And certainly he was, you know, in 2017 when he brought on Dean Hood, he was still, really still figuring some of that stuff out. And so to have guys like that to lean on, uh, then you got a guy like Brad White who has the NFL experience to lean on and um, things like that. I just think those, those were, those are big deals. And I think he'll, he'll certainly miss having, you know, Dean Hood in his, in his ear a little bit. Yeah. Because he could draw on experiences from other places. Hey, in this situation, here's what we did. When we faced a team like this, we did this. And I, you know, I just realized we haven't said where Dean Hood is going. So if you don't know uh, why Dean Hood is leaving, let us, let us tell you, he's going to be the head coach at Murray state that uh, football scoop, uh, came out with that report this morning, and then uh, it's been confirmed by John Hale of the Courier-Journal who put out an article that uh, Dean Hood will be the next head coach at Murray State. I did not see if that means he's not coaching the belt in the Belk Bowl, but I would assume he, he wouldn't be. He would go ahead and get started working over there at Murray State. Yeah, I haven't looked at that either, but, uh, you know, does that, you know, you, you wonder, does that have any – uh, huge effect. I mean, we already talked yesterday. Virginia Tech will be without its defensive line coach uh, mm-hmm. in the bowl game. It probably all evens out uh, either way. But uh, in the in the in the big view beyond this year, um, certainly a a concern. But it, it, it I would say one air, one thing it does allow them to do now that now that Stoops and some other guys are you know a little more established and maybe you don't have to lean on that experience as much. Maybe this allows you to go get a young hotshot recruiter and you know add add him to the staff. It's I've, I've always thought that's one of the toughest challenges for head coaches and one of the so far one of the better things Stoops has done is juggling and balancing how to stock your staff with guys who are coach them up guys mm-hmm. and guys who are uh, recruit them up guys because um, you need both. You know you need you need some. Uh, charismatic Vince Marrow types who are going to go get you all the talent, but you'd have to have enough guys on staff and certainly at the important positions um, to coach them, to get the best out of them uh, as well. And, and they've, I feel like they've done a pretty good job balancing that to this point in the Stoops era. And, and so it'll be interesting to see where, where does Stoops think they are as a program? Do they need another you know, veteran grizzled veteran of the coaching profession or are they going to go fill this with a a recruiter and and try to take it even to the next level in recruiting well his last two hires appear to be home runs I mean we know what Brad White has done with with Josh Allen so uh, that's established John Summerall this is his first season there but he appears to be uh, a heck of a hire as well and uh, one more thing on Dean Hood just having covered him at EKU from from the moment he was the head coach there uh, throughout and then, and then here at Kentucky, uh, I can just tell you he is a phenomenal guy. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't run into a nicer guy who's just 
very considerate, um, does things the right way. He's just, um, he's nothing like the uh, guy he served uh, best man in his wedding, Urban Meyer, from what I gather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's quite a guy. It's, it's so crazy, the, all these connections going on with you got, you know, Bud Foster, um, you know, leaving, who started out at Murray State and played there, and now you get Dean Hood leaving, and he's going to Murray State, which is kind of just odd. Yeah, it is. It's a small world, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. All right, we haven't even gotten to uh, the Joe Moore Award stuff, so we'll, we'll do that. And then uh, uh, a U.K. player has entered the transfer portal. We knew he was leaving anyway, but now he's entering the transfer portal. Why is that weird? We will explain in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Spotify. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live, uh, and you can show, uh, you can send them to us at our Twitter accounts at D R I E F F E R or at Kyle Tucker underscore A T H. Uh, if you do that on Twitter, we'll share and retweet them. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast with Dan Reefer from Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And we mentioned the Joe Moore Award. The finalists were were named today. That came out. And Kentucky was not among the four finalists, which I thought was, I thought it was odd. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you can make a pretty strong argument that, that it was a snub. Uh, and I went and, you know, I, I've reached, I reached out to some people last week or a couple of weeks ago, cause I was curious. They were one of the 10 semifinalists. They were not one of the four finalists announced today, but when they were one of the semifinalists, I wondered, you know, could they win it or, or were they going to at least be finalists? And I reached out to some people, um, that know more about offensive line play than I do asking that question. And some of the feedback I got was, well, a lot of the success they've had is due to scheme, and that's not to say that those guys aren't good. But um, Eddie Grant and the, and and John Schlarman are putting them in great positions, and it's they're also being made to look good by the skill guys blocking, which we've talked a little bit about the running backs right. blocking their rear ends off, and the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, and so some of it is scheme, and some of it is their supporting cast, and some of it is just Lynn Bowden making everybody look good. Um, and so there's some of that, and I buy that to an extent. But at the bottom line, it is about production. And so this is what I looked up. The, t- the four finalists are Alabama's offensive line, uh, Oregon's, LSU's, and Ohio State. So three, uh, two, of the, two of the four are in the playoff, and three of the four are in the top ten. And Oregon 
uh, won the Pac-12 championship. So pretty good company. Um, and here I looked up how Kentucky stacks up in all these key categories that would be related to offensive line play. In well, let me sa- just let me Go just ahead. say this before you do that: is Oregon is the one that I think Kentucky should replace. Yes. Under- yeah. Yeah, and that that felt almost like to me, uh, we got to get somebody west of the Mississippi on this list. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Right. I mean, like, it, it, well, you'll see when I when I list these numbers. All right. Sacks allowed. Number one among that, well, this is the, the, there's five teams in the mix every time. The, the four the four finalists, and then I add Kentucky and where they rank among those those teams. Sacks allowed. Bama is one. They've allowed twelve. Kentucky is two. They've allowed sixteen. And then it's a big drop off from there. Oregon twenty three, LSU twenty nine, and Ohio State has allowed almost twice as many sacks. And Kentucky. I could get where you make the argument. Well, Kentucky yes. doesn't throw the ball. So correct, yeah. correct, but. But Lynn Bowden is taking back there, taking shotgun snaps, and yes, and, he is. You know, he could get tackled for a loss, and that that count. Um, so then you go to tackles for loss allowed, and when you run as many times as they are, and you are taking it out of the shotgun, there's plenty of opportunities for to be tackled for a loss. Kentucky is has allowed the fewest in that entire group, 54. Uh, LSU is is third or fourth most. They've given up 64. 10 more than Kentucky. Ohio State, again, 71 tackles for loss, so 17 more than Kentucky. Yards per carry. Kentucky, number one, again, 6.4 yards per carry, and the next closest is Ohio State at 5.7. After that, it's a drop, the third drop-off to third place is Alabama, five. So Kentucky averaging uh, almost a yard and a half more per carry than three of the four finalists. Yeah, uh, rushing and then runs of ten plus yards. Ohio State has one hundred and five, and Kentucky second uh, with ninety nine. So in those five categories, Kentucky is either best or second best uh, compared to the four teams that were the the finalists for that award. So I, that that to me is a little eyebrow raising. You know, you say how how is it that they aren't on that list? And as you say. I mean, when you look at Oregon there, why why is Oregon on that list? Or even Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State ranks last in tackles for loss. They've given up more tackles for loss and more sacks than any any of the teams listed there um, by a pretty wide margin. Now, running the ball, I mean, Ohio State is up there like 272 yards a game and 5.7 yards a carry. So I, I, I kind of can see Ohio State there, but – yeah, Oregon, and then it's just it's unfortunate and a little disappointing for for like John Schlarman and for Eddie Grant because you know the Associated Press who covers the SEC and votes on on you know the first and second team all SEC teams they thought enough of the offensive line to put two guys Logan Stenberg and Drake Jackson on the first team of the offensive line. I mean, first team two guys from Kentucky first team all SEC. On the offensive line, when you're talking about Alabama, LSU, Georgia. So at least they got the recognition there. But I really thought uh, they would be at least a finalist. If they didn't win it, okay, I can understand that. You're going up against some big-time competition. But to be in the Final Four, I really think they deserve that. And I would have liked to have seen it for them because of what, cause they deserve it. Like It's not like... Well, you should slip them in there. No, they've they've done just as you stated. The evidence is there, and it feels to me more of 
one of those things where, well, Kentucky's a seven and five team. That's why they can't they can't be a finalist for their award. Just like Army and Navy, and they, they can't be a finalist, however well they do running the ball. Uh, but it feels the same to me as Chase Young being a Heisman finalist while Josh Allen was not last year. Yeah, I think there's. I mean, it's it's hard not to it's hard not to go directly to um, brand bias, you know, with, with something like this. Um, because yeah, I mean, that's a great case that somebody else made. I think somebody in, in reply to that, uh, those stats I tweeted today made that, that reference, Chase Young and, and Josh Allen. Uh, you know, Allen was was widely rewarded. I mean, he won almost every yeah. National Defensive Player of the Year award, but right. his stats are better than Chase Young's. Right. Uh, they were last year uh, in, in playing in the SEC, and uh, and there was, there. I don't think there was really any buzz, you know, that... Uh, Josh Allen was going to get uh, get Heisman to New York consi- as a he- you know, yeah. Heisman consideration. He Josh Allen had 17 sacks uh, a year ago. Let's see, 17 Ten sacks and a half, and, and, yeah. yes, and 21 and a half um, tackles for loss. Uh, let's see, and then Chase Young was 16 and a half sacks and uh, 21 tackles for loss. So they're basically identical, yeah, uh, identical stats and. You know, no love for for Josh Allen. So some of that too is, you know, you're you you're on a team that's competing for a national championship, and so people put stock into that and say, you know, if Kentucky's offensive line was so good, why are they a seven and five team? And obviously, all of us with a brain understand why they had some issues and some limitations. But um, I think, regardless regardless of that. Um, I don't. I think the Kentucky's offensive line has a lot to be proud of. Um, yeah. I was thinking today as I was looking at that, it would be cool if uh, if like conferences did a version of the Joe Moore Award. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you could, yeah. if you named your you know the best offensive and defensive lines. Of course, then you'd get into like every position group, I guess. But uh, it'd be kind of cool. I like the I like the group wide award because there's not like. The offensive line in particular is the one group that really moves sort of in in concert with one another. Yeah. Um, they're, they're so dependent on each other, and I think it is neat. And, and I've, I've already ex- expressed my, my full-on uh, love for the Joe Moore trophy. It's such a cool yes. giant trophy <laughs> that there's like yeah. five giant brass or whatever bronze offensive linemen on this huge pedestal. It's like a grand piano. Um. I think the SEC would should jump all over that. I mean, it just means more, and it's true. If you had an offensive line, a defensive line, a linebacker group award, a secondary award, a best backfield award, that kind of thing. But one more point on Josh Allen. You know, Tim Couch was on a team that was not a 10-win team and not competing for the national championship, and he was invited to New York uh, as a Heisman finalist. And and for good reason. He had the numbers to show it, and I think Josh Allen did as well last year. But at least, at least Josh Allen did win the the number one defensive player of the year award. I mean, the, um, the, the defensive equivalent of the Maxwell Award. He got that on ESPN during their college awards night. So uh, that, that, that was enough recognition uh, for me, at least. I didn't, I didn't really think he was a Heisman finalist, but to see Chase Young... My immediate reaction after seeing Chase Young was, why not Josh Allen? And then 
when the Joe Moore thing came out, I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah, well, right. here, just a quick rundown of Josh Allen's uh, hardware, though. A unanimous All-American, Chuck Bednarik Award, the Lot Trophy, the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, and the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. So he's got yeah. he, he he ended up with quite a <laughs> he quite was a, quite a trophy case. Yeah, he wasn't winning the Heisman anyway. No. Um, and then before we go to break here, uh, we should mention the who we were you know teasing there the football player UK football player who's who's moving on or who's in the transfer portal. I mean he was already moving on, but we're talking about uh, Sean Kell Knight Golf from Dawes High School. He, he originally committed to UK and then he decommitted from UK and then he recommitted and decided he was coming here and he came along with Jared Casey, a linebacker, JJ Weaver, another defensive end linebacker, and Tay Tay Crooms, a receiver, all from Louisville. So those four guys all wound up uh, coming to Kentucky. And then, oh, I don't know what it was, like maybe in October, um, that uh, Stoops was asked about Sean Kelly. He's like, yeah, he checked out a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you remember that. He's like, he told me he's not interested in playing football anymore, just kind of lost the desire to play the game. Oh, yeah. And so, okay. And and Stoops was very complimentary of him after that and just we want him to, to have, you know, success. He's a great kid, good family, all that stuff. And the bottom line was he's just not interested in pursuing football anymore. Well, then Josh Edwards from uh, 24-7 Sports tweets out that Sean Kell Knight Golf is officially in the transfer portal. So, I mean, if he's not interested in playing football anymore, he can go to whatever school he wants without entering any kind of transfer portal. So, I don't know. That's... uh, I guess it's one of those things. You you look that he was committed to UK and then decommitted and back in UK. Maybe he just still... Hadn't fully made up his mind. He's just not happy here, and and uh, and maybe he that was his way of telling Stoops. He didn't. Who knows? You know, you can speculate all you want, but it appears that he is interested in playing football somewhere other than Kentucky. Yeah, uh, the uh, I guess the if you want to be an alarmist, the, they've had a, a few Louisville Louisville based uh, defections, but I don't. I don't think this one is a a huge loss, just as I didn't think the Jordan Watkins de, uh, decommitment and commitment to Louisville was a huge loss for Kentucky. Um, yeah. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. I, I, you, obviously, Scott Satterfield and those guys are going to start um, oh, yeah. trying to put a fence around that city. Yes. Um, but uh, in general, I like Vince Merrill's chances. <laughs> and they've yeah. sort of assigned – the uh, the big dog to that territory. So I think I think when it comes to guys that are must get for Kentucky that are high high end guys, they're gonna they'll go all out and they'll get their share of them. I think no matter who's who's coaching in Louisville. All right, we'll take a break and when we come back, we'll talk uh, basketball. Speaking of Louisville, the number one ranked cards go down on Tuesday night. We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active gr- ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. 
If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to a doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and uh, watching basketball on TV Tuesday night, the Jimmy V Classic on, in Madison Square Garden. And number one, Louisville, they were uh, ranked number one for the second consecutive week for the first time in school history. Never had the Louisville Cardinals been ranked number one in the country two weeks in a row, which I couldn't believe that in the first place. And now they've lost. They won't be number one next week. Two weeks was as long as it'll happen for them. Uh, Texas Tech and Chris Beard's team knocks off Louisville with some great defense that Texas Tech played. Yeah, and it was it, – it, it, raised a little bit of uh, questions or, or maybe put a finer point on some questions that we had about uh, Louisville, uh, which is guard play. Um, you know, we know they've got good big guys and, and Nora and Sutton and Enoch, um, but they've got some major questions in the backcourt and that reared its head tonight. Uh, Perry and McMahon, their two starting guards, uh, combined to go two for seven from three and three for 11 from the field with uh, seven turnovers and two assists. Uh, Perry had no turnovers. I'm sorry, no assists and six turnovers by himself. Yeah. Um, that's not great. Uh, Louisville shot three of 17 from three, 17.6%. Also not great. Um, you know, and, and Texas Tech just just absolutely flustered those guys. Um so that was that was a bit of a surprise. Even though Texas Tech played in the national championship game a year ago, they lost a lot. They were playing without their best player, um, right? Yeah, and, and had lost had already lost uh, had already lost three uh, games this season. Actually, lost three in a row. Lost to Iowa, Creighton, and DePaul uh, coming into this game. Hey, don't knock DePaul. They were they were a nine and zero until they got beat yeah. the other night by Buffalo. No, they're they're <laughs> having a great season, but you know that's. That's obviously not the same Texas Tech that, <laughs> no, that played no. in the you know in the national championship last year, um, you know, and they win pretty soundly over Louisville. They kind of controlled it throughout. Um, so, uh, well, and Louisville was not able to go back to Enoch in the second half the way they did in the first half. Like Enoch pretty much carried Louisville offensively in that first half, and in the second half, I don't I don't know if they just couldn't get it to him, and it was uh, you know Texas Tech's defense that was stopping that from happening. I, I imagine that had something to do with it, but. Uh, their their offense was very non-existent in the second half. And Kentucky has to be encouraged uh, with Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, and Tyrese Maxey going up against that backcourt of Louisville's. Yeah, I mean, the way the way Kentucky's going to defend the backcourt, you've got, like, 
uh, I certainly thought that was going to be a challenge, and it will be a challenge because Louisville can hit Kentucky maybe where it isn't as strong. But uh, you, you watch that tonight and you think, okay, Ashton Higgins might have a field day with these guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other, the other reality is as, as good as Louisville is and they've gotten good in a hurry, it all boils down to Nora for them. And when he goes 4 of 16 and 1 for 7 from 3 as he did tonight, um, that's – that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, if you if you turn their guards over and you limit Jordan Nora, then it's it's ball game. I, I would say ninety nine percent of the time against Louisville. Yeah, he makes them go. There's no doubt about it. And hey, Louisville wasn't the only top five ranked team to go down. Penn State knocked off number three ranked Maryland. So next Monday, if Kansas can take care of whoever they play, I haven't even looked that up, but. Uh, Kansas is probably going to be the new number one team in college basketball on Monday. I mean, it could be, but the other thing is it could be Ohio State. I think I think Maryland yes. is actually number five in the AP, uh, and Ohio State was number three this week. Oh, okay, um, that's and, right. Uh, yeah. Actually, Maryland was number four. Uh, Ohio State three, Maryland four, Kansas two. Um, yeah. And Kansas has a loss. Ohio State does not. And Ohio State has a, a great trio of wins. Uh, they beat that Penn State team um, – I believe, yeah, they beat that uh, Penn State team that just beat Maryland. Um, So um, I think there's a strong case for Ohio State being ranked number one. They've beaten uh, North Carolina, Penn State, and Villanova and beat Villanova soundly, uh, beat North North Carolina even more soundly. On the road, beat North Carolina by 25 last week. Um, And And Ohio State's number one in Ken Palm as well. Yeah, so the the other thing about that is – uh, maybe Kentucky, probably Kentucky's not going to get to play a number one ranked Louisville, but they could have the distinction of ended up playing three teams before the new year that, that were at one point ranked number one. If Ohio State can also climb to number one, Michigan yeah. State was number one, Louisville has been number one, and Ohio State could very easily get to number one, and Kentucky plays all those teams. Um, and the other thing we take from this is nobody wants to be number one um, <laughs> yeah. because this this will be we'll have a fifth. I think in, in seven weeks of the season, we'll have had five number one teams. Uh, three of the first four lost to unranked teams. So um, the hot potato continues. But it just tells me that there's just nobody really good enough to get number one and hold it for very long because there's no, right. there's no clearly dominant team that's just going to go unscathed this season. Yeah. Well, we have come to the end, my friend. Um, <laughs> I had a few more things I wanted to talk about, but, you know, We've got a Thursday to do it, uh, and and a Friday as well. Um, I believe, let's see, Kentucky plays Saturday, so I, I would imagine we will hear from John Calipari on Friday. Uh, yes. So, uh, oh, 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 I know where it was. I had to, I had to say this. I forgot. Because uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so you'll be listening to it most likely Wednesday morning, and when you do, you will know who won the Paul Horning Award. Because it's announced at 7.30 Wednesday morning. And so we're recording this at it's almost 11 o'clock Tuesday night. And so we don't, we don't have that for you. But we will talk about it on the next Locked on Kentucky podcast because we believe it will be Lynn Bowden. And if it's not, we'll have another snub to discuss like the <laughs> Joe Moore Award. <laughs> yes. And by the way, uh, Bam Adebayo has just recorded his first career triple-double. Wow. Thir- 30 points, 11 what? rebounds. 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. 
Jeez, I saw it flash across that he had 13.7 assists at halftime. Yeah. But New he career, got to 30 points. Career high in points and first career triple-double. He made 13 of 18 field goals. Uh, Bam Adebayo is playing as, at an all-star level. Um, and, and that's why Kentucky and Michigan have a three-year series. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> Jawan Howard yes. uh, Took is him responsible under his wing. for that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can follow me at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R and uh, follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs> <laughs>